I woke up to the sad news this morning that Mary Wilson, one of the founding members of the Supremes, died yesterday. I interviewed Mary Wilson for this podcast in late July. In fact, she was one of the first guests on this RPM 45 podcast. It was an honor. Mary looked great on our Zoom call, was extremely gracious to me, and open to sharing her life experiences. Even though she'd been in the entertainment industry for six decades, she remained enthusiastic and nowhere near retirement. And she was committed to a cause, to have her good friend, former Supreme Florence Ballard, who died more than four decades earlier, commemorated on a U.S. stamp. I found Mary Wilson a beautiful person in every way, talented, smart, inspiring. And now, in her honor, I want to share that experience with you. So I read two of your books this weekend. Oh, okay. One thing I learned is that you are not from Detroit originally. I'm from Mississippi, but I, I grew up in in in, uh, in Detroit. My aunt and uncle uh, took me to Detroit when I was five because my mom, by this time, had three children, had the three of us: my sister, my brother, myself. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, her and, and my dad divorced, so my my aunt and uncle took me, and I was raised in Detroit with them. Uh, and I actually thought they were my, my, my mom and dad until I was about 10 or 11 years old when I re- was reunited with my mother. That had to be a shock. Well, it was a shock. And I was just talking with another interview a moment ago where um, it, when I was graduating from high school, my teacher said that I needed to really pass this English class if I wanted to continue singing with that little group I was in, the, the, the Supreme. <laughs> that little group. <laughs> I wrote about my experience as a young kid and not knowing my mom and thinking that, you know, adults were liars because uh, I didn't find out who my mom and my brother and sister were until I was, you know, 11 or 12 years old. So I, I was really quite angry about that. Anyway, I wrote this paper about it and I used that in my first book, Dream Girl. It was my first chapter. And uh, so he gave me an A++ and he said, you should think about, no, he said, you should consider, no, he said, you should become a writer. And I was saying to myself, a writer? All I want to do is go down to Motown, honey, and and record some music. (laughs) (laughs) But I must have listened to him because I started keeping a diary, a journal. At that moment, every time I'd go to Motown, we would, you know, we'd meet these people like you see Marvin Gaye right there. You know, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, The Miracles, you know, Marv Johnson, Mary Wells, and we see all these people. So I started writing about it because I was only, at the, at the time now, 15 or 16 years old. And it was, this was all very exciting, going to Motown. So that's how I actually started uh, writing my books. But you did reunite with your mom, and then at some point you moved to the Brewster Projects. Yes, well, yes. Well, because yeah, with my aunt and uncle, I was really quite privileged as, as a young as a young kid. I mean, because my dad, I call him dad, he had just come out of the uh, war, was it the Korean War, wherever it was, and uh, so they were pretty well off. They had a home uh, there in the suburbs of Detroit, and uh, I was an only child. So I grew up really, you know, kind of a little spoiled, little spoiled child. Uh, when I went with my mom, um, she she was not so privileged, and she had to get on on some welfare or ABC, whatever they used to call it, you know. So it was kind of like moving down from where I had come from. But it was so fun because my mom, my real mom, 
was a great woman, you know, and it was really nice meeting my brother and my sister, and that's when I met Flo and Diane. Everybody in the project were out on the street corner singing or in the stairwell of the building singing, you know. So it was it was fun. Moving to the Brewster projects actually had to be like the biggest break because you met your, your future group mates, right? Uh, Flo and I had met at this talent show in school. And she asked me if I would uh, want to be in this little group with her. And she said, I said, yeah. And she said, this, uh, some guys have asked Diane across the street uh, if she wants to be in the group. And we, I didn't know Diane, but Diane, lived, I can look out my window at, at her house. So anyway, we went over to the guy's apartment and uh, his their manager, Miss Milton, managed this group. And it was three guys called, and it was Eddie Kendricks, uh, Paul Williams, and Cal Osborne. So uh, also there was a girl there, her name was Betty, and she was dating one of the guys as well. So anyway, we go to these guys' apartment, which our parents would have killed us had they known we went to. I think we were about 13 years old, so we were young. They said, well, can you guys sing? Well, we had never sang together. We just went over there right as soon as they said, come over. And Florence started singing a Ray Charles song. Diane sang, uh, uh, I think it was uh, a Drifter song, There Goes My Baby. And uh, so Betty, the other girl who was dating one of the guys, she chimed in, and there was a four of us singing. And uh, we sound really good. I mean, it was just amazing how, you know, how good we sound. I didn't know that till I read your book, that originally oh. it was four of you, not three. Because, see, back in those days, harmonies, you know, with the doo-wop and all that stuff, harmonies were very, you know, you had to have harmony. And it's hard to have harmony with three. So, and so, you know, we all grew up listening to the McGuire sisters, the Andrews sisters, the four lads, you know, all the, you know, all those, and it was always harmony. So that was pretty much our, our thing. So Harvard four, four was good. So, um, yeah, we started singing at four with four and, uh, pretty soon we, uh, we, we would do record hops. A lot of kids today have no idea what record hops are, but, you know, it was where the DJs would have these shows around town and at various community centers. And like in Detroit, it was a Greystone Ballroom and, and places like that, 20 Grand. So we would go in and we would do our little songs there. And pretty soon, working with all these people who were recording, like the Miracles and the Mary Wells and people like that, we uh, said, well, wow, maybe we should think about recording. And that's how we got the idea to go to Motown Records. Now, let me ask you about Betty, because, again, that was a surprise to me that there was a fourth. And then she leaves the group to to get married, right? Yeah, she was actually older than we were. Like okay. I said, we, were, we were about 13 years old, and she, I think she was at the, she was 17 or 18, something like that. And then you replaced her with someone named Barbara. Barbara Martin. And, unfortunately, we just lost Barbara earlier this year in March. Oh. I had the wonderful opportunity of keeping in touch with her throughout the years. Betty, I lost touch with years ago, but Barbara and I, we, we stayed friends. And she actually was on our first recording at Motown. She was on the, uh, what was it, the Meet the Supremes. So there was four of us on that. And a lot of people are not aware of that. Was she fired from the group or what? Well, same thing happened. <laughs> she, uh, because by, by now, uh, she had this wonderful boyfriend, uh, Willie. And uh, she she wanted to get married. They wanted to get married, and we were at Motown. We had signed a contract. She was under contract and everything. But uh, she wanted to get married and have children and all that kind of stuff. So she got out of the group. And that's when we decided uh, 
we being Flo, Diane, and I decide that, well, you know what? Everyone's getting married except us. So, you know, we might as well uh, just stay with the three of us. So I always wonder about people like, like, you know, Betty and Barbara, you know, when they see what happened, how did they react to that? I mean, to miss out on the life that you've led. Well, here's the, here's the, I'm so happy you said that because normally I, I talk about it. Um, since I, Barbara and I, as I said, stayed friends all throughout all the years. We always talk. In fact, in the last hours, you know, I, I spoke with her. She was in love with her husband, honey. Willie, Willie was her, her, he was, first of all, he was a gorgeous looking black man, okay? And she loved herself some Willie. Sometimes she would say, girl, when she would call me up, she'd call me up almost every other month. She'd say, girl, this man's driving me crazy. i say, well, you know what, Barbara? You're the only one who has had her guy for almost 60-some years. <laughs> and so she said, yeah, you're right about that. she said, say, I still love him. So, uh, but she said, yeah, sometimes she thinks about it, but I don't think she had any regrets. She had the love of her life. And I talked to him as well, Willie. And he said, yeah, Barbara was the love of my life too. So, you know, some people that's, you know, happiness is happiness wherever you find it. Yes, and everyone has a different destiny, don't they? And then we have choices. You know, we do have choices. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with my choice that I stayed with the Supremes even after we, you know, we had our hit records, uh, five, what, consecutive number ones. We had 12 number ones. Um, We traveled the world. Uh, You know, all those wonderful things. So when the Supremes finally disbanded, when I disbanded them, really, I had to make a choice if I wanted to continue doing you know, singing. And yeah. and I, I, I realized that uh, I love being on that stage. I mean, I adore it. So, you know, we do have choices and, and, and I thought about maybe not going on, but I'm like, what am I going to do? I mean, I love being on this. I'm not going to, at the, let me see, I think I was in my early 30s, maybe late 20s when all this happened and I just decided, you know, I'm going to continue on until uh, I just no longer want to sing. So my son the other day said, mom, are you thinking about retiring? I'm like, no. When you first got to Motown, you were told you were too young. We were turned down. Mr. Barry Gordy turned us down. Uh, And, you know, I found out years later, probably he didn't want to see four girls running around his company. And this was, you know, in the early days of, of what was going on. And I can understand where he was saying, oh, four girls, I got to be responsible for, for a young teenage girl. We were just in high school, you know. So uh, I, I'm sure he's, that was his excuse to, to not sign us. But, but you hung around there anyway. We hung around, and not only did we hang around, we were around there every day. We'd hitchhike from school. Every we, day. And we did that until eventually uh, one of the producers came out we were sitting on the lawn outside of uh, Hitsfield there, and one of the producers came out and said, well, we, we, our background singers or our hand clappers, we need to do it. We said, we'll do it. Of course. <laughs> you know, we were there at the right time, and uh, it, it paid off. It really paid off. And when you, when you signed your first contract, I think it was Flo, correct me if I'm wrong, that wasn't that sure you wanted to go to Motown because, you know, you'd heard that they didn't treat their, their people that well. 
Well, you know, that was all of us, too. But I mean, Flo probably voiced it. <laughs> Flo was a very outspoken kind of girl. And uh, I remember when Mr. Gordy said to come back after you graduate from school, uh, Flo did say, you know, they don't know how good we are. They can't be that great if they don't know how good we are. <laughs> so, but we knew that we were good, you know, and uh, but Flo was the one who always she would speak it. You know? And so you sign a contract, but but you don't have a lawyer or anyone to look after your interests well back in those days we a lawyer are you kidding <laughs> we had money to buy our shoes <laughs> and didn't know anything about lawyers no we so no we did not have so you get to motown you sign the contract and initially your singles don't do really well well you know we because um we didn't have a it wasn't until mr barry gordon put us with holland dozier holland uh, till we actually found the, the right kind of sound. Yeah. So prior to that, uh, Smokey Robinson, Barry Gordy, Freddie Gorman, uh, all kind of people would, you know, produce on us. No one kind of had that that thing until Holland Dozier Holland. And they actually came up with the sound, you know, for us. Initially, it turned into, of course, us having those five. Five in a row. It's amazing. And, and, you know, it was, it was during the day of Elvis Presley. Uh, the the British invasion and all that all those people coming over here uh, and uh, you know so and it was all males mostly males so uh, you know it was kind of difficult we were called the no hit supremes when we had all those those records that were released that were not you know hit records but uh, thank God for Holland Doja Holland because they gave us our they gave us our career they really did. Yeah, they were they were the ones who really found the sound. And, and it, what, it, what I found interesting is at first you weren't that impressed with their songs. You thought they were kind of simple. Well, we were impressed with their songs, but not the one they gave us. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which one was yeah, that? Uh, we would have we loved to have had some of, well, I shouldn't say some of the Martha the Vandella songs, but I mean something like their songs, you know, more soulful. Yes. And, you know, people think if you're black, you sing soulful. We the, we the Supremes weren't soulful singers. You know, we were really straight pop singers, really. Now, Flo, I should say this, Flo was a, a really R&B gospel singer, but she, at the time, she no longer was, you know, singing the leads or anything. So pretty much our sound was pretty much a pop sound. So, uh, yeah, we would have loved to have had some hits, you know, like the, the Four Tops and, and the Vandellas, you know, and all those people. But uh, the ones they gave us actually worked. So even though we didn't like the first one, Where Did Our Love Go, you know, it, it became the, the our emblem, emblem or whatever you call it. And, and people around the world were playing it. I mean, the second one, Baby Love, was number one as well in, in the UK. So that gave us that international touring that we started doing. And we became, I won't say more famous in Europe than here in America, but we were just like the British people came over here well, we went over there and we were that same type of phenomenon. So that was, you know, it was great. And, and the, the, the pop sound came a lot because Diane became the lead singer. Yeah, well, she, she was the lead singer before we actually, you know, started having to hit records. So, you know, we, we, were, we were thrilled about that. It didn't matter. As long as Mr. Barry Gordy looked like any one of us, we were happy about that because that meant we were in. But it was really between Flo and Diane. Yeah, they were basically the lead singing type. I, I'm, I'm still really just a ballad singer. My voice is not that versatile. 
Uh, I'm basically a great performer, though. Let me tell you that. But as a singer, they were the they were the main ones. So it, it you know, went up to Diane was the lead, and that was fine with us because now we were in the running, you know. And that was that was uh, that was wonderful. So uh, one of the themes that, that I get out of reading your book was that your relationship with Diane uh, very up and down. See, people think that because of of the business things and the things that have gone on, but our relationship, uh, you know, has yeah parted, you know, because of of business and things like that. But still, our friendship inside, we're like sisters. So you know, we may have difference of, of opinions and different, you know, whatever. But inside, we're still sisters. But you know, because she became a singer, and that kind of split the group in terms of what the bill, the the company. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, had things. The lead singer became the person, and whereas before, we all had, we were all spokespeople. We all had thoughts about what happened in our lives and uh, our decision-making was between the three of us. And now, you know, it wasn't. So those type of things were what uh, kind of, you know, got in the middle of it. But it's not not a personal thing. It was not a personal thing. Still, it does affect you personally. What can I say? I'm not disqualifying that, but that's the way it was, yeah. In fact, I've I've spoken to a lot of my other friends, Nedra of the Ronettes and some of the Dixie Cups and other group members and the, some of the Pointer Sisters, you know, they all say the same thing, you know, people, people try to tear you apart and uh, different uh, things you do. It does kind of affect the relationship within the group. It does. But uh, as I said, it's like a family, you know, you, everybody has cousins and, and uncles and, and all that stuff that, you know, you know, drunk Uncle Freddie, you know, oh my God, you know, loose Lucy, <laughs> you know, so you all have people in your family that are, are the way they are. Same thing with groups. It's the same thing. It's, it, we're like, you know, family, families that have different opinions, I guess you could say. Was that, though, part of Flo's issues, though? No, no, no that wasn't Flo. That, that was like after the fact. I'll say this because of what's going on with this Me Too movement and things of that nature. Florence had a, she was abused when she was 14 years old. And that really disrupted her in terms of her life. I mean, it sort of of destroyed her. And if you talk to anyone who has had that happen to them, it it affects them. So even though we became famous, and I know I and maybe Diane felt that Florence was going to get over all of her hurt and our pain, we're famous and we're making money, we're traveling the world, we're doing all these great things. But, you know, if that's not taken care of inside, people still, it still, it just, you know, it really destroys you inside. And so when we started having our issues uh, on the road and traveling and, and recording and not being a lead here, those type, type of things, I would say they probably bothered flow. You know, and it, she took it to heart. So she was never able to deal with certain things that perhaps I dealt with that still, I, I mean, I wasn't happy about everything, you know, but uh, I was able to deal with them because I had a pretty good upbringing and, and, and common sense was something that, you know, our family always taught us. And, you know, so I, I was I was more level in terms of dealing with whatever life was throwing at us, at all of us, even Diane. I mean, I'm sure it was not easy for her you know, being apart from us. So, you know, but she too came from a, a, a really wonderful family. 
uh, good upbringing, but Florence had other things, issues, and it just bothered her. So she was she was not able to cope with everything. Now I'm very happy about this Me Too movement where women are coming out, boys coming out, people are coming out and saying this happened to me when I was young. And, you know, it, it, I, I was never able to say anything and, and no one ever helped me. Kind of what was Flo's problem. Because she never was able to get treatment for it or talk to anybody about it. It's just like the lawyers, you know, in the projects, you didn't have anybody you could go to. You know, if you did, it was, you know, if, if you had someone that was good, but you know, professional help, that was not, not even something that was considered. In fact, people hid those things, you know, from everywhere. They couldn't talk about it. So, you know, it was very difficult for Flo, you know, because of that. And no one else at Motown even knew about it, you know, so they didn't know what her situation was. They thought she was just being, you know, hard, hard to deal with. Because she would tell you, if, if something was wrong, she would just tell you, you know what, get out of my face. You know, <laughs> she was that kind of girl. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, she would, you know, she would often have to deal with come back like that. You strike me as someone who's very patient and kind of a peacekeeper. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's, well, that's good. Well, I, I used to be, but I'm, just, I'm not so, I'm a bit more outspoken now. And I guess because I was brought up as an only child and I was alone a lot because my, my aunt and uncle, my mom and dad, who, you know, they were. So I was alone a lot. And I was, you know, I was just accustomed to being really in thought or thinking about things on my own. And, uh, and then when I went with my mom, she too was uh, kind of a very peaceful person. So, I mean, I learned from her, uh, you know, about kindness and, and, and not jumping, going, you know, going off the, your, 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 you know, being off, what you say, when you go crazy, you know what I mean? Always like, ah! uh, so my mother was, I, I learned how to, to be that. And then with being in the group with Flo and Diane, they were both two strong individuals. So I had to be in the middle, you know, and, and sort of like kind of balancing everything out. But uh, uh, in, in, but I'm a, I'm, I actually am a fighter. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm a peaceful fighter. Let's put it that way. You know, I'm, I, I, I really, I've been through a lot in my life, but uh, I know how to still look for the silver lining in everything. I I know how to smile all the time. I'm always happy. I mean, I'm one of the happiest people I know. But I have two people. <laughs> I'm a Pisces. So, you know, one part of me is very, very quiet and nice. And the other part is a fighter. So, I mean, I, I mean, if I can fight, I come from the projects, you know what I mean? If, yeah, if, yeah. I, if I have to fight, I'll fight. But it takes a lot for me to get there. But I'm not, I'm, people tend to think that I can kind of, uh, you know, I'll do whatever you say, I'll do it. But I, inside, I might say, yeah, but if you wait till my time comes, I'll take care of it. <laughs> when we put Flo into, into the ground, I remember saying, and her family left me, her children kind of left out, left me there. And I, and I said, Flo, I'm going to take care of it. So, I, I, you know, that's one of the things that I'm doing with this U.S. stamp for her. I really want to um, get that stamp. I feel that she deserves it. Supremes deserve it. I mean, if we can give John Lennon and some people like from another country U.S. stamps, I think that, you know, here in America, they can give one of the Supremes. So you, you say you're a Pisces. Are you, have you done, had your chart done and all that? Oh, God. I used to, oh, you can in the 70s. I was so into all of them. I, mean, I levitated. I would be, I did, you know, I still do yoga. Uh, you levitated? I, oh, yeah. Honey, I did all that stuff back then. You mean I, like I, you, you floated mm-hmm. in the air? Well, you know, in your mind, you know, you know, I, you know. 
Well, I won't get into the floating back there. But anyway, so yeah, you know, I was in, and I was a vegetarian, and, and you know, so I mean, I, I, I was totally into. It. I mean, I still believe that, uh, and I married a Leo, and my aunt was a Leo, uh, and so I'll never do that again. But anyway, that's another story, just to show you how far I was into to hor- the horoscopes. <laughs> how do you get along with Virgos? Oh, great, because they're very organized. Okay, my best assistant, uh, Hazel, Becky, what, uh, is uh, a Virgoing. And she, I mean, she was just so organized. And that's what I need in my life, organization. I, I want it, but I can't do it myself. I'm so unorganized, but I want it organized. So they're, they're the best people for me in terms of that. Uh, Aquarians are really great. Uh, so, I mean, I can tell you everything about everybody. <laughs> I'm a Virgo. <laughs> I, I thought you were a Virgo. That's what you said. You did. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife wouldn't agree that I'm that organized, though. Well, see, when, when you're married, that's a whole different thing. Okay? <laughs> so the 70s, I want to talk to you about the 70s because it, okay. it seems to me the 70s, uh, good things happened. Um, you did, when, after Diana left the group, you did very well. You had a string of singles that was pretty impressive. With Gene Terrell and Cindy Birdsong, uh, I, you know, I was so thrilled because – uh, Mr. Barry Gordy actually found Gene Terrell for us, and uh, and I, it was at a time when I didn't know if what I was going to do, you know, after Flo and Diane were no longer there, I'm like saying to myself, well, you know, do I want to carry this on? Because, you know, it was the three of us, three little black girls who dared to dream in the Brewster Projects, you know, at a time when it was an, an impossible dream for black people to want to be something more than just whatever so uh, it was a big decision for me to, to, to make to continue. But when Barry Gordy brought Gene Terrell in, I, I, I immediately knew that, okay, I will continue. Mm-hmm. And after she uh, and uh, Cindy Birdsong replaced Flo. So this was a new group. It was a seven group. It wasn't the same Supreme. But with Gene, we, you know, we gained some, a, a whole lot of fans uh, with Up the Letter to the Roof, Stone Love, Floyd Joy. So Don't forget I, Nathan Jones. That's my favorite. A lot of people like Nathan Jones, and I did too, yes. But see, the thing about it was a lot of the music at that time, Motown was also going through a lot of changes. We, we kind of didn't get, you know, the radio play and things of that nature. We weren't getting the same kind of push from, from the different sources that push your music. So we were sort of losing, you know, grounds. Then Gene uh, Terrell left, Cindy Burson left, so I'm again the only Supreme, so that's two times I was only Supremes in the group, and uh, so I said, well, you know, I'm really hooked now, I gotta stay, you know, I was really hooked at this point. I was not thinking about leaving, so I got two other girls, uh, Linda Lawrence uh, joined us with Jean, actually, and then after Linda and Jean left, I, I got uh, Sherry Payne, and Cindy, I called Cindy back. She joined again. Then after that, Cindy left again, and I got Suze Green. And we still recorded, too. We even recorded a couple of things with uh, Holland Dosha Holland that were really quite good. Then, um, you know, I just decided, you know what? The, the talent is there. All the ladies were great singers. They all were great singers. But, you know, with Motown 
no longer sort of had their eyes on us as a as a major group. And and then of course the trend in music changed. You know, disco came in. So right. it was it was just a time of uh, flex. You know, a lot of things were happening, kind of like now, but no COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, big changes were happening. And um, you know, I said, you know what, I might as well just try to go out on my own because I was totally hooked and, and being staying on stage. I, I was no way I was going to stop ever ever singing. So, um, you know, I decided to go out on my, out on my own. And um, now here I am, you know, all these years later, and Mary Wilson, you can say Mary Wilson, and people know who I am. I wasn't just one of the Supremes. Yes, um, that's awesome. And you're still performing, not right now, but you're still performing. Yeah, and, you know, and writing, I'm writing, like you said, my last book was Supreme Glamour. It's just, it was just out this past year. It's doing very well on Amazon. People can buy it on Amazon. Uh, and also, um, I'm working on, well, I'm not working on getting, uh, working on a Broadway play, but I want to get a Broadway play for the Supremes. So I'm, I'm hoping that there's some writers out there who can use my book as, a, as their starting point, and we put together a Supreme Broadway play. So that's my next thing. Okay. And also, I'm looking into acting, you know. Uh, well, you've done some, right? theater, some musical theater. I've done the vagina monologues, by the way. Really? My dad was not happy about that. (laughs) (laughs) Mary, I don't think I can come and see you in that. But anyway, uh, I've done lots of musicals. I've done some off-Broadway plays. But now I really, I've I've been studying acting for for years on and off here and there. And now I'm like, you know what? Since black is really in now, I might as well I can be somebody's grandma. I got it. 10 or 11 grandchildren, so I can do that. Uh, you know, those parts, that's the part that's out there now. So I'm doing that, and um, what else am I doing? I'm kind of enjoying being home for a while after touring for 50-some years. I'm really, really enjoying not traveling. So that this is kind of nice for me as well. Just you traveled home. so much. I mean, you know, it's just crazy. I mean, traveling, is it's tough. Yeah, so I, you know, so I'm very happy about that. Well, listen, thank you so much for doing this. I enjoy talking with you very much, and uh, I wish you the best. And I, I think you're a multi-talented person, and it's amazing all the things that you've done and continue to do. And don't, okay, don't forget to do for me, and that's for sending a little request to the U.S. Dem. Yes. Uh, Can you give us that address again or that? They have a website, the U.S. Stamp uh, uh, Commemorative. They're on web. They're on on, on website. Okay, I I will look it up and uh, I will definitely do it. And I will also put it in the notes for our talk that yeah. this is something that you're working on and let everyone know because certainly the Supremes deserve a stamp. Yeah, and it's the flow, you know, it's the flow because you, you can't have a, a live person on the stamp. So uh, unfortunately, uh, we have to do it this way. But hey, you know, might as well. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time and for doing this this afternoon. I do appreciate it. I've enjoyed talking with you. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye.